I've known Dave since I was 13. And really the only argument was over both of us being in a two person kayak. turns out I don't like to let anyone else lead, but uh, if you guys can do it in 26 minutes on Twitter, then mm. <laughs> all the power to you. I mean, we could maybe not like bring it all the way to its knees, but like we can just <laughs> at least like sow the seeds of doubt that slowly grow over time, you know? <laughs> And you're such a positive force in my life. (laughs) (laughs) This is what my poor wife has to deal with, you know. Challenge accepted. (laughs) Yeah. What about your poor, uh, like, coworkers? Uh, You mean my privileged? I think you used the wrong P word. My privileged coworkers? My my mistake. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My mistake. (laughs) As you know, my mistake. Well, yeah. Well, it wasn't going to be mine. Definitely not yours. It wasn't going to be mine. (laughs) All right. I went ahead. uh, I took a cue from like the like the super popular podcast and just turned it live where like, you know, they jump in and people are already just talking. So, so we're live. Um, Let's see here. Episode six, while you're away this week, I have Marsden and uh, by special request, Dave Klein uh, with us along with another David, my co-host, David Morris. Uh, Just going to talk to these guys about some some topics that are uh, near and dear to our hearts, um, which is raising a family, uh, working full time jobs, and and trying to balance a side hustle. Uh, you know whether that's just a, you know a personal project you're working on, or a way to earn extra money, or you know an avenue out of wherever you are now, whatever that is for you. Um, but that's kind of what we're going to talk about. And I honestly, David Morris should really be the host of this show, not me. Um, so I, I like to kick it to him. And he usually has some some good stuff to say to kind of get the ball rolling. <laughs> but those, those, are the, those are the topics. And I know, well, I can kick it to you because, look, uh, the one, uh, I know you can talk about parenting. Uh, you're the... You're the dad of all of Twitter in just a couple months. So um, I know you can talk about that. And, and the other, before I forget, the, uh, the other thing that I thought uh, you would have some input on that we could talk with Marsden about was uh, she DM'd me earlier this week and just said, hey, you know, I have, I've done sales, uh, but I have this aversion to the word sales or the term selling. Um, so as someone who's gotten into selling uh, in the last couple of years and done, done a pretty good job of it. I was just interested to hear one Marsden. Uh, why do you not like that word? And then two, uh, I'm always interested to hear uh, David Morris's take on, on things. <laughs> so Marsden, yeah, Marsden. So why, why the aversion to the word sales? Well, I, uh, you know, I, I listen, I realize with every day and inter- every interaction, right, it's your brand and you're selling in one way or another, but maybe, uh, and and one of my great models is my dad, right? Like longtime sales guy, super genuine, very one-to-one, um, but maybe just a, a quick story. Like Dave, my Dave and I always loved real estate and I got my license because I was so naturally interested in it and actually sold the first house I ever showed. 
And so I was in the office, this is a while ago, so more actual paper, less online. And uh, someone said, congratulations, I, I heard you sold, you know, such and such. And I looked at her with a blank expression. And I was like, no, 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 I, um, I was on the bot, like I was helping the buyer. She's like, exactly, you sold it. That's awesome. And I was like, no, still, I, I helped them buy it, right? And it's, it's like such a fundamental difference to me. I think you can sell through a story or you can highlight something to distract from something else. But I, I feel most comfortable sort of as that sleeves rolled up consultant. Like it just, I feel much better if you find replace sell with help, right? Like I'm helping yeah. you look at it. Right. And, and so I, I think we all do it and maybe it's semantics, but it just sits so much better with me. Well, I guess the question that uh, I find super interesting, because I, I resonate with that as well. Uh, is the word broken or is uh, the way people go about uh, their expression of the word what's broken? Right? See, see, <laughs> that, see, that's a great line. Is the word broken? I love it. I know. I love it. Shut up. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, I'm curious about, yeah, I think this is what you're saying, but uh, curious what your perspective is, Mars. And I'd love to hear Dave's as well, because Dave is obviously um, – Running a running a business uh, fundamental to starting and and running your own thing is you got to sell stuff, and so uh, so I, I'm just curious. What do you think? Do you think it's the it's the word that bothers you, or is there uh, some sort of connotation attached to it that uh, that's just been created by the people that? you've either personally experienced or kind of seen as a third party who are kind of in the role of selling that has soured your perspective on it. I, I love pausing to think about just connotation of the word. And is it broken? And is, are all the actions more genuine than, than we think? Um, I suppose when I think of the word sell and everyone should help in with their perspective on this, I see that person as being on the, across the table from me versus on my side of the table. And I, I think that for me is the fundamental difference, right? Like someone is selling you a car, um, a consultant is helping you build a better website. Um, and so that's, that's the quick visual for me. I don't know if that take resonates with either of the Daves or Blake. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I heard an interview with somebody and I cannot remember the context. I just remember what they said, which was, um, they, they said, uh, my they were in sales they said my career took off when i stopped using the phrase uh i'm not trying to sell you something uh, <laughs> uh because you'll see people kind of use that hedge hey i'm not trying to sell you something here but and then they but. try to sell you something. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but, but yes i am yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and so so he said so i just started owning it i just started saying to people uh i am trying to sell you something because that's my job is to try to sell you something. And if I wasn't trying to sell you something, uh, then I'd be terrible at my job. And, and so he was just talking about just the, uh, the power for him as well as kind of like the, the way that it relieved tension in the sales interaction that it was like, yeah, of course I am trying to sell you something. And so, you know, I think, uh, uh, I completely agree with what you're saying and uh, and and hate the idea of, you know, sales. But I, I just think so much of that has to do with uh, how what a bad job people 
do kind of across the board selling things that that creates this environment where because really what what I'm hearing from you, Marsden, is that um, that it's you versus me, right? So this is kind of like a contest or a confrontation. I'm across the table and I'm trying to get you to do something that you don't want to do. And, and then uh, as opposed to what, what you're saying, gosh, that feels very like combative to me. Uh, you versus me, one of us is going to win versus the, the idea of um, I have something that uh, that I think can help you. Um, I don't know for sure. We have to go through a process together of figuring out if what I have and what you need are a fit for each other. And if so, then there's a reason for us to do business and we should do business. And if not, then we should probably just shake hands and, and move on. But they both involve selling something. It's So that's the thing for me that I kind of process through. Is it, uh, is it kind of, is, is it sales? Like the word's a dirty word, um, though it's <laughs> happening, you know, but though it's happening all the time, or, or is it more just a matter of uh, the way people go about doing it is a lot more of that approach where there's a lot of manipulation. There's a lot of tug of war. There's a lot of pressuring. And that's the thing that people are just have had enough of. I want to hear from Dave on this. Dave, are you still on here? What do you, I am what one, I was going to actually almost ask a question, but let me give you a couple examples to kind of frame it. So, you know, when I was, as I was hearing you talk, when I was at Bridgewater, I did a lot of interviewing and I would say something very similar to what you were just saying, which is, um, look, I'm doing my job as an interviewer. If I present to you a really accurate view of what it's like to be in this very unique culture and help you figure out whether you would thrive inside of it. Because for a lot of people, you won't. And so we're doing neither of us any favor if I sell you on that idea. Uh, but I was also had the privilege of selling from an extremely powerful position, right? Like that I was, I was representing something that was in high demand. I think Mar had the same experience selling Google, right? When you're showing up to large corporations and saying, would you like to buy AdWords for your brand so that you will rank number one in the way that the world increasingly finds your business, it kind of sells itself. And so you can sort of play this very, um, you know, sort of not, not aloof, but like very open-minded matchmaker because you know where the power lies. I think when I think about real estate or you use the used car analogy or a lot of others where the, the offering can be more commoditized and, or the person selling it, like, really might need to close a deal to eat. You know, like it's another dimension in this. Like, how do you think about, how do you think about that? Like, that's the part that I, it, it's, I, cause I'm, I'm experiencing the same thing with, you know, the, like you said, the business I'm building now, which is it's, you know, I am selling, but I'm selling in a way that is very much kind of putting out there what I have to offer. And I'm very fortunate that people who that resonates with are, are showing up. Um, but I'm also know that I'm doing that from a big position of privilege. And so how do you think about kind of that word or, or like the taint of that word for people who don't have that privilege? Yeah, yeah that's really the, interesting. The outcome is the outcome yeah, critical for right now, right? Like, yeah. like Dave, you hit on incentives, you hit on alignment, you hit on outcomes, right? Like a closed sale for today is great, 
right? From a commission flow perspective, but is this person, whether you're hiring them into an intense culture, whether in my old seat, I was working with them on search in my current seat, I'm helping them buy a home. What about in, you know, in three years and five years, right? When you think about a relationship, like, are they still happy? Right. And so I think some of that is like what happens today um, for someone who might need or desire that quick close and then how how people are feeling after that. Like, is that a win? And I I think to, you know, to both of your points, I I think there is so much in the dynamic of what you're selling and who you're selling it to. So uh, uh, I'm ignorant on this front other than on the buyer side, not not as the for lack of a better word, like the salesperson side of buying a home. You know, if you're talking about real estate, that's a really personal experience, right? I mean, that's uh, one of the most, I mean, maybe outside of like, you know, going to the doctor, um, one of the more kind of intimate and personal things that we ever do that uh, that involves uh, kind of a fullness of who we are. Like there's a lot of hopes and dreams in there. There's like conveniences and practicalities and projections to the future and fears and concerns. And, you know, all these things sort of wrapped up into one. And so the way that you have to approach that is really different than if you're, you know, if you're selling, a, you know, water bottles at a, baseball game in the middle of the summer right <laughs> you know so there, there's there's a very there's a very different dynamic based on on what you're trying to do and i also think too based on on how you're like whatever it is you're selling or the business that you're operating in functions so like in my world uh i like we sell project-based work uh so i do a project it's over it's done that project you know no longer exists as a revenue opportunity. But the person that I sold it to uh, is going to have more projects uh, moving forward into the future. And so I want to capture those projects. And so from a very like, there's a human side to it, but there's also a very like practical, pragmatic side to it that says, uh, it doesn't mean anything to me if this person buys one project from me. Um, What I need is for this person to buy projects for me again and again and again and again over the course of many years. And so, so that filters all the way down to um, when I pick up the phone and make a cold call or uh, follow up on a warm introduction or, you know, something like that in the early part of the process, I have to be thinking about um, how is this either shaping and establishing a long-term relationship where there's trust, where this person likes to pick up the phone and call me, where they know that I'm on their side, uh, where they know that they can trust that I'll do what I say I'm going to do. Like all that stuff comes down to the very, the very early details of, of the uh, earliest kind of beginning interactions that I have with them in that process. And so I think that, you know, the more personal something it is, uh, something that you sell is, uh, the more complex something that you sell is, or uh, the the longer term the relationship potentially is, um, has a pretty big impact on um, how you need to be thinking about the interactions that you're having with a, like a prospective customer or a current customer. 
in that. So I just rambled on for a while. There you go, guys. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, it couldn't be more true, right? <laughs> <laughs> if I was smart, I would have ended like with a question uh, or something like that. To, yeah. Like, keep a conversation going. <laughs> a segue. Just, yeah. Yeah. Some sort of transition. Um, but uh, how do you think, uh, so, and Marzana, um, forgive me if I'm missing this. So I'm making a big assumption, which is always a risk, but uh, like, are you actively selling or I'm sorry, helping people buy real estate, buy homes? <laughs> I love that helping people buy. I am. I am. Okay. So like, what are the types of things that uh, are really um, particular for you in that process that you're that you're thinking about that might be different than you know selling something else. And I'd be curious for Dave in your world to kind of answer the same questions. Like as you're thinking about those interactions, what are the kind of specific touch points for you that you're like, these are the things that if I do now are going to set up a long term relationship. It's it's uh it's one of the things I absolutely love about my seat but it's also just very different because it doesn't, um, it doesn't stop for me. I don't have a lot of separation between church and state, right? If I have clients who have found this house that they love in this competitive environment, like my, my response is almost like I'm buying it too, right? Like what would I be concerned about? What do I think the angles are? Um, and to, to get there, to, to build that trust, it's a lot of, um, a lot of things we try to do in our in our valued day to day relationships. I'm trying to listen a lot. I'm trying to you know emphasize how important it is for us to see a range of things together, so that their picture, right, that list that they carefully came up with, like let's stress test that, right? Let's let's see what's really in, important in the world, and let's let's go a step beyond like just looking at the beds and baths. And like you said, there's so much in that. There's hopes and dreams, and there's Maybe someone isn't in love with their job and committing to this kind of mortgage puts a lot of stress on their family life, right? There's so much sort of beyond the four walls. Um, and in my most valued partnerships, we're talking about all of those things and the trade-offs, right? We might have been looking at sort of one level of home, but in, in light of what's really right for their family, like let's, let's tack because it shouldn't be all about the house. Um, and it's, it's those kind of conversations, which by the way, are always late. That's not like a business day conversation. It always seems to be like late at night where you're like, actually, what's really important to me is X. Um, I always say it just kind of helps me sharpen my eyes and ears for them because when things get competitive, I want to be able to say, Hey, I know the adrenaline is high right now. You, you know, you love this home as an opportunity for you, but I've heard you say X, Y, Z. Right, which is which is a strategy I've also seen Dave use with his clients. Like, let let's get back to what you told me is really important, so that we're not just reacting to what's in front of us, but making sure that we're solving uh, for what's important to you. Does that make sense? Ah, sorry. Yeah, I was trying to push the button and it wouldn't push. Uh, man, it com <laughs> completely. Yeah, a hundred percent makes sense. And I think, um, you know, the other dynamic of that is. Also allowing for, like, this is the thing that I love about the approach that you're taking. And I've tried to do the same thing um, to also be able to say, uh, when we talked before, this is what I understood that was important to you. Um, has that shifted or changed? Because I think, you know, that's another dynamic in, in something as personal as buying a house is that um, sometimes... It, it, that that is, I mean, all 
like the thing that helped me the most in sales is just the the kind of the mantra of like, like people buy emotionally and they justify intellectually like a hundred percent of the time that's how people buy they buy emotionally they justify it their purchase intellectually and so um but i think you know depending on what you're selling and a home would certainly be an example of that the emotional component of that is very high right because it's the um i'm gonna raise my kids here or i'm gonna live out the rest of my life here or oh you know all that all that bit and so I would think it would be a challenge for you because you have to continually, um, I would think, kind of revalidate what you feel like someone's uh, that a buyer has told you that they want, because that could shift. They could walk into a place and say, I, I thought I really wanted an open concept, but I saw this bedroom for my baby and it's so perfect. I can imagine having my baby here. I don't care if it's a small kitchen or, uh, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so I think, um, do you see that, that you have to continually kind of like revalidate and adjust that? Or is it pretty fixed on the front end? Oh, such a great question. And oh my goodness, does it change? Um, and, you know, there's an adage that I heard when we were first looking Um when for Dave and I, what we were hunting shifted and the broker at the time sort of snickered and said, Oh yeah, buyers lie. Um, I don't know if it's so much that you lie or that you, the more you see, um, the more you allow like the aperture to open and then for your sort of lens to focus, right? Like Mm. I have very dear friends, um, who are referred to me on a cold call and their initial vision was one that I loved. They wanted 10 acres and multiple outbuildings and they wanted a compound, right? Like super cool. Like, let's find it. Yeah. Um, I'll take and, it. And I said, I think you would like this, this other town. And they're like, awesome. Is there land there? I was like, no, none. Like people live on like a quarter of an acre, but I think it's, I think it's going to be home for you. <laughs> so, it, you know, two years later it, it was right. It was kind of a long evolution. And that's, that's sort of a cute story that happens to be true. Um, but our, but our vision changes. I mean, Dave and I have experienced that personally in home buying, but definitely, um, with clients where they might've led with, we absolutely need land. And then especially with the dynamics of the current market, you know, it's sort of a masterclass in trade-offs. Uh, and so as you're, they're really excited about something, I'm like, yes, I see how this house checks so many boxes for you. Let's, let's just pause and like agree that that trumps that vision of land, right? Or that vision of the backyard. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's awesome that it evolved, right? Like dreams can yeah. change. Right. No, I think that's it's super interesting in that the, um, I was just thinking about, I could talk about this all day because I think uh, the, like just the psychology of like home buying and what you're trying to navigate in that process is so interesting. But y- you also have the dynamics of, um, in many cases, two different people who are buying this together, uh, who may have very different perspectives on what it is that they want, right. That you have to bring together. So I was just laughing to myself, uh, that, uh, I think, let me count it up. I think I've owned five different houses in my life and, uh, the tension on every single one is that my wife buys for right now. <laughs> I, I buy for five years from now, right. Or 10 years from now. And so, uh, you know, she's, we just, we are wired different. We think differently, right? So we, you know, the first house that we bought, when we moved back to Oklahoma. I was like, this will never work for us for very long. And she's like, I love it. This is where I want to raise my kids. 
And then five, five years later, six years later, we moved because it didn't work for us. And I knew that was going to happen. So, um, and we did, I mean, I'm, it's not, I told you so we had great years there and then we love where we are now, but, but, uh, but bringing all these dynamics together are, are really challenging. I'm curious, Dave, uh, for you, like in the, like early on, kind of in the sales process in your world, what are some of those like critical things that you have to uncover or be thinking about to, to make it a, a, a comfortable long-term relationship between you and the person that you're helping? Well, I think if I split it, David, um, you know, I, I sort of have two forums for the way that I'm like working with leaders. On one hand, I've got the cohort course and on the other, I'm working one-on-one with executives. In the, in the cohort course, I think the most interesting part there has been, you know, leveraging Twitter and my writing as sort of the method for that. And so even if I go back to, you know, half a year ago, before we had even built the course, zero part of my brain had sketched out that delegation would be important. And then it was only from trying to validate the course and writing that all of a sudden that seemed to be the A number one thing. And so, you know, I think if it's a, if it's a situation where you're selling in a one-to-many sort of way, you know, the power, whether it's social media or a blog or, or, or whatever it is where you can put your, your, you know, the word out there, get feedback back and use that to adjust what you're offering. Like it's never been easier or cheaper to like experiment and iterate. Uh, so that was, um, that's probably been the most unlocking thing for me. And then on the executive side, you know, it is, it is much more one-to-one in the same way. And so the way that I often think about that. It's sort of working back from the transformation. Like they've usually engaged me because they can sort of see where they want to be. Like I want to be better in X way. I want my company to be twice as big. You know, we're merging with another company and I want to like maintain the culture, like whatever it is. And then we sort of work backwards from like, okay, but that's where we want to be. Now, where are we? You know, what is that current state? what are going to be the steps to go from, from A to B or said differently, if we get to the other side of this and we failed, what got in your way? And then we start chipping away at those. And so that sets up a lot of vectors for that dynamic conversation. Um, but in the same way, I think the commonality of what you're describing, whether you're adjusting to someone's home preferences or adjusting to kind of the vision they have of themselves as a leader, some of those principles are very much the same. Yeah. And I was just, I was just thinking like the very baseline common ground. And I would guess based on our conversation, the thing that we could all agree about is that um, what would make sales not a dirty word and make us all feel better about saying I sell things um, is if the process focused on uncovering the real needs of the person that is buying and then trying to adjust the experience around meeting those needs, right? <laughs> so that it is, uh, it is uh, about them and not about me as the person doing the selling. And I think that's like the, just like the, it, it's a profound shift, uh, but it, there's subtlety just in how it changes the dynamic of the interaction that just says, this is, a, this is about you, not about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is about me um, making this process comfortable for you. This is me about making sure that I can deliver to you what it is that, that you need that's important to you. I mean, that story, Dave, about delegation, um, all you did was put something out into the world 
and then listen. And right. people, yep. people told you what was important to them. And then you responded and, you know, you had a choice there. You could have said, man, I don't, that's not really my area of expertise. If you want to know about delegating, um, go over here and do this and talk to this person or take this cohort or, you know, things like that. Um, and so, so you were able to adjust and respond and, and provide something that, that met people's needs, you know, and, uh, years ago, the, uh, uh, in a totally different context, I had a mentor who always talked about the difference between real needs and felt needs. And, uh, and he, he just was always drilling into my mind. Um, yeah, there are things that people really need and sometimes you can see them and you can tell people you need this, you need this, you need this, but if they don't feel it, if they don't have a felt need, then uh, it doesn't move them to any action. And so, um, so the more that we can ask questions, listen, and uncover the things that people really feel like they need, it drives back into that cycle of people buying emotionally um, and then justifying that rationally and even or intellectually. And even the people who seem the most objective and unfeeling about whatever decision they're making. Um, I always say even those people, it's a, it's emotional because they're deriving some sense of satisfaction or, or purpose in life or identity from being the, uh, the stoic objective who looks or the stoic professional who looks at everything objectively and doesn't get emotionally involved. That's still an identity thing that is emotional to them that's important to them that they maintain in their world and so so i want to i want to see that have the skill to recognize that and have the humility to honor that in the process um that also makes it about them and speaks to something uh bigger than here's a widget or a house or a course i'd like to get you in and so I think that's yeah. really redeeming in the, in the process. That's where for me, it's like, um, to me, the, the word's not broken. Um, it's just the way that we go about it. That's so broken that has caused this kind of ugly connotation to the word sales. And so, yeah, this, um, man, you're talking about you're, you're making me think of Morris knows this. I, I'm not sure if Dave or Marvin, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but uh, prior to the life I live now, I spent um, like, I don't know, 15 years in the automotive industry. Um, and the last four of that was selling. <clears throat> and man, you want to talk about an industry that uh, hits a lot of these points as far as um, negative, highly negative connotation or like uh, reputation around sales in the automotive industry and then couple that with uh, emotional buying like the vast majority of people that would come in to buy a car uh, the the conversation would kind of start around them saying what they needed and migrate very very quickly to uh, what they wanted emotionally uh, <laughs> what, what what car looked cool or, uh, you know, what, what car everybody else was driving or what was the status symbol, um, you know, and the conversations in that environment very quickly shifted from, uh, 
man, my car uh, it has 200,000 miles on it and it broke down and I need a new one uh, just to get from point A to point B to, um, man, that that $60,000 luxury car over there looks pretty nice. Now I think I, quote, need that. And, and man, I, we were always... Um, how do I say it? In the in the the automotive industry, I think it's, it's safe to say does not have a reputation for um, <clears throat> what you guys have described, uh, which I, I find super fascinating of of more of a sales approach that is customer focused in the regard that or in the respect that yes, you want to sell them something; it's your job, but you also um, like are trying genuinely to give them the best thing to, you know, fit their needs. Whereas uh, in the car business, often it was uh, let's, let's get them out of here with uh, the most that we can get them financed for. Right. Um, <laughs> which I always, you know, me doing sales there, that was just, I always, I never liked it. Um, and and it, and I think that gave me a pretty jaded view of sales in general, um, because I always felt a little sleazy, you know, knowing like I, I'm calling the bank, talking to them, looking at this person's finances, seeing the vehicle they're trying to purchase and thinking, man, they really don't need this. Um, this is probably not. I, yeah, I could get them financed for it probably not really what they need but um it would not be like in their best interest but um you know am i am i not doing my job by not selling them this because they want it like am i right like i always had this juxtaposition yeah. of am i being a bad human by selling them something that I don't really think they need, or am I being a bad employee uh, by not selling them what I know they'll buy? Right. And I think, I think the dividing line here, I think the, the common ground of this conversation is, and you summed it up pretty well, um, uh, everybody who's been in this conversation wants to go to bed at night. They'd rather go to bed thinking they were a bad employee than feeling like they were a bad human. And right. And so that, bringing that humanity to the process of whatever it is you're selling it, is so important. And um, it, what's fascinating to me, Blake, uh, is what's, what's interesting to me is that uh, I started when I started selling just for my own education, because I didn't have a background in, in sales. And then I was kind of thrust into it, had to do it. And, uh, and so I just started at like at family gatherings um, and other, you know, kind of social settings, just asking people about the last time they bought something big and listening to their stories about how they bought it. And the, the thing that that like jumped out to me is that um, there was a high percentage of stories that involved the salesperson talking them out of buying something more expensive and selling them something less expensive. Like my brother told this story. He, he bought a house from sheriff's auction and took it down to the studs and redid it. And he had this really uh, expensive 
uh, insulating project he wanted to do to like seal it off and, you know, most energy efficient. And the guy came out and he said, man, I can do that. Um, it's going to cost you twice as much for me to do it the regular way. And, and man, you're never going to get the energy savings out of it. Like you'll have to live here for 50 years to break even on that. So I'll, I'll do it if you want me to, but, um, it's better for me. I make more money, but it's not better for you. And he was like, okay, I'm using this guy, you know, <laughs> because when, because the guy's working not in his best interests, but, uh, but in my brother's best interests. And so I think, I think that's the thing that people are looking for in general in the world. I think our world and certainly the world of sales is this way, but our world in general, it just feels so much like everybody's just out to get theirs and, uh, and they're, yeah, they're, you're... they're happy to do whatever they have to do, you know, to you in order to accomplish that. And so I think in anything that we're doing, uh, whether it's raising a kid, selling a home, uh, engaging with people on social media, whatever it is, um, if we can shift, uh, at least in our own hearts, the narrative to be, um, I'm going to make it about you. I want to help you. Um, that, that makes a profound impact on the quality of the interactions we have with other people. Yep. Couldn't, Com- couldn't completely. agree more. Completely. Um, and Mark, you are... say some more. Don't listen to Bird <laughs> Talk. Margie, tell me how great and profoundly wise that was. I want to hear it from you. Uh. It's actually, I was, I was going to ask you, because I was thinking about, you know, even as you know, two weeks ago, I was helping clients. Um, and by the way, I think we're like, if I were thinking about the, the experience Blake described in selling cars, like if I'm the listing agent, right, if I've been retained by you to sell your home, I am telling a specific narrative, right? You're, you're telling a specific narrative of a car. Um, you are selling a good on behalf of someone onto someone else. When you're, when you're working with the buyer, right, it's um, trying to understand what's great for them and sort of pattern, pattern matching the dream to the opportunity a little bit. Um, and David, you, you beat me to the punch, and Blake, you did as well, where I wanted to ask about those times where you say like, I hear you and given all that's important to you, is this the right X for you to buy, right? Does this project achieve your goals? Is this the car that you need? And, and maybe in all of the feelings people have around the word selling, they don't think that that activity happens, right? They don't think about the gut check on the insulation strategy. They don't think of the person standing there and saying like, Hey, for everything that's important to you, like, are you sure? Right. Um, and this happened just two weeks ago on a, on a transaction and my clients walked away. And then, you know, honestly, two weeks later, I was like, Hey, if we're using that same lens, is this a better, does this meet your goals? Right. Um, so sometimes I just feel like it's, it's times where you say like, I don't know, let me find out. Or are you sure that are truly those like events which signal like I'm investing in a relationship, which is long running. And I'm hopeful that this is one of many transactions, right? Versus sales that end versus sales that are just like a chapter, right? Yeah, um, right. So I heard a lot and of ultimately, from Yeah, and ultimately, uh, there is no such thing as a one sale sale uh, if it involves, you know, you as a person selling it. Because um, 
everybody that you sell to based on the quality of the interaction is going to either send people to you or tell people not, not to come to you. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so, so in reality, there is no, there is no one sale and we don't interact again uh, or, you know, there's no consequence later. So I, I'll just uh, close by saying that um, I am now uh, willing to buy a house in Vermont or wherever you guys are. Uh, I don't need it. I don't need it, but I, I yeah. want to buy, Great buy something. Great Yeah, I want to buy something from you. So just like, I'm just going to send you like uh, wiring instructions uh, and you just take all my money and you can have it. Just make make it good. Yeah. Buy me something gonna good. I'm just going to change the title of this episode to Marsden sells Blake and David houses they don't need. <laughs> Episode <Right>. six. <laughs> I never knew that uh, that Twitter could bring me these strong relationships so quickly. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is test case for this is how you up your sales. Uh, just get on Twitter, act like you care about what some people are saying. Boom, you're selling houses. <laughs> Blake will be teaching that cohort later this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. right. All right, cool. Mars, well, enjoy. Marsden, thanks. Um, uh, enjoyed talking to you, Dave. I know you hopped off the speaker, but I always enjoy talking to you. So it was a ton of fun. Oh, pr- yeah. appreciate both of you guys. Thanks so much for having us, Dave and I. Uh, yeah. He went to to pick up um, our oldest. It was kind of like a paper scissors rock on who was going to hop in the car. Um, But know how much we appreciate both of you guys and your calming and thoughtful perspectives on all things, including maybe this slightly broken word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's no broken words, just broken people. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll close with that. See you guys. Happy Friday, guys. Thank you both. See you. Bye.